Welcome back to A Little Faith. I'm sitting here with Mary Stiles, and we are, I'm very excited to have this conversation. We're going to hopefully dive into some of what Mary does for a living, a little bit about her past and her life and where faith has taken her. So I'm excited where this conversation is going to go, but I'm just going to ask uh, Mary to introduce herself and for anybody who doesn't know you, um, yeah, who are you? Welcome, Mary. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Um, well, I'm still in the process of discovering who I am, mm. which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing because it gives us the opportunity to revisit our roots regularly. Um, but as you've heard, my name is Mary Stiles. Uh, I'm uh, 68 years old. I live and work in uh, small rural communities in southern Ontario. Um, I'm a wife, a mother, a grandmother. My grandchildren are the most amazing things in the world. Uh, not, not your children, <laughs> just the grandchildren. <laughs> My children, too. <laughs> but the grandchildren are the best. Um, and um, I work as a, a mental health therapist, which I, you know, that role I kind of came to later on in life. Um, but it's been tremendously um, eye-opening and fulfilling for me and a tremendous privilege to work in that area. Uh, I'm part of a small Christadelphian ecclesia, um, but it's a vibrant, uh, slightly unconventional group. Uh, but I love my brothers and sisters dearly and find tremendous support from them. So it's been my privilege to uh, sit down with Matt and have this conversation about a little faith. Welcome. So we have this podcast called A Little Faith. And so far we've sat down and brainstormed what it could be. But the truth of the matter is we don't really know. Right. We just know that faith is the centerpiece, the, the, the center of gravity, the, uh, what we want the conversations to orbit. And uh, we're looking for people inside of our community, outside of our community, to talk about um, faith right. in their own lives, how they see faith working, um, how they've how faith has animated part of their life so i'm hoping that this conversation will uh, i'm definitely gonna be a part of the journey and the meaning making process mm -hmm. and i might share a story or two but really you're in the hot seat okay <laughs> <laughs> we we want to hear um about your journey of faith and where you uh, maybe where you have found faith in your life recently, or maybe this, you might be reaching back, back in your life and saying, you know what, you know, that, that moment, that was where I had a little faith. Mm -hmm. That is where faith was alive. So I'm not sure, I'm not sure where you want this conversation okay. to go, but, um, maybe, maybe to ask you like how you would define faith today or how you would see faith in your life today. So I think I see faith as a much more practical entity, um, possibly than I did before. You know, kind of looking back years, you know, faith was very much about uh, kind of correctness of belief, 
right? So that mm. um, being part of a community that held correct beliefs was really important to me. Mm. And, and it was important to me that those beliefs could be uh, defended, uh, you know, uh, by any onslaught of science or, uh, you know, reason or, uh, you know, kind of other faiths that it was very important that, that at my core was this kind of kernel of truthfulness, right, in what mm. I believed. Mm. So, but that was as a young person, and I think I saw everything as very black and white at that point. Uh, and, you know, I made the decision that I wanted to be part of the Christophan community. And, and I always, you know, was interested in learning. I wanted to learn more. I wanted to, you know, read all of the Bible. I wanted to understand uh, different perspectives. So I grew up in England, uh, and then my parents emigrated to Australia. So it gave me the opportunity to see a very different perspective to what I'd grown up with in England when I went to Australia. And there was a different emphasis in the Christadelphian community in the two countries, which I, I really felt as if I benefited from. And, and I remember at one point, I was living in Adelaide, and there was a lot of ecclesias close by. So I went to four Bible classes during the week. Wow. And, <laughs> and it was great. And I was there for two years. And, and I knew it was, this isn't real. This isn't you know, life. This is you know, just kind of really sort of enjoying this kind of greenhouse atmosphere where there was all of this sort of fruit ripe for the picking. Uh, but I enjoyed learning and, and then I think that really helped me to kind of assimilate all of that learning. But then, okay, now what am I gonna do with that? So initially, and that would have been in my 20s, that was what I, I saw faith as being. Mm. Like, Mm. was this system of correct belief that was important. But in my immaturity and naivety, I didn't realize that there was a whole lot more mm. to life than that. that so I think as I've got older, I've realized that faith is much more than that. Mm. It's like the definition, uh, I think, when your dad was speaking, and he said uh, this was Norm Zilma's definition of love. Mm. And then it was the fruits of the spirit. It was you know the patience, long suffering, hope, all of those things. So I think faith is more than that. So it's this you know these beliefs, yes, then they're important and they're rooted in the Bible and they're rooted in God's word, His revelation to us. But it's got a purpose. It, there's a practical outworking to it. Mm. So faith is works. Faith is know God's word in our heart faith is courage mm. right? which I, I don't think back then I realized how much being courageous was a part of faith mm. and when you look at Bible passages like those first few um, chapters of Joshua and how God says to Joshua over and over again be strong and courageous be mm. strong and courageous be strong and courageous so leads you to believe that maybe that was something Joshua struggled with. Mm. So this is why God was saying this to him. 
but that's part of faith like mm. we we have to be courageous and and that was something that i think over time i've learned um, and maybe learned in a little way how to practice even though there's been times when i've been really really scared mm. but being courageous doesn't mean not being scared mm. right it means acting in the presence of fear so those are things that i think over time i've been able hopefully to some extent to incorporate um, and as far as where i am now um, i think of, of faith in kind of stages so we have these stages that we go through almost like children growing up developmentally so we start off mm. as a child with um, like an external set of rules that kind of grounds us and keeps us in place so what we're doing is living by somebody else's rules really and as we develop then we internalize those rules into our own life and we make them our own and and that's kind of that journey from law to grace right the the law mm -hmm. was the external set of rules mm -hmm. and then with grace comes this internalization of principles which is far more difficult than just obeying the laws but that was what we did as a child and that was helpful to us mm -hmm. but now here we are and we're trying to work through these principles and it's what uh, Paul describes as the um, kind of being mature and those who uh, by reason of use have exercised their senses to discern good and evil mm. so can the journey of faith takes you through all of these different stages and hopefully you, know, you get to the point where you're able to have those principles internalized and then now you say okay my life is a principle driven life it's not a rule driven life where I might have started now that I've internalized these principles how do I put those into practice uh, so you mentioned that faith was uh, is courageous is a courageous thing mm -hmm. to have or to put into action and another little phrase that you said was um, that there's faith I can't remember exactly the wording but you said something about like faith in the face of fear like yeah. can you think of something sometimes in your life where um, faith was embodied in that way that it was kind of maybe courage walking or uh, you were kind of holding on to faith in the face of a lot of fear or a lot that could go wrong or a lot that was going wrong in your life possibly so I can think of several occasions, but the one where I kind of actually think back a bit on it and get a lot of strength from thinking how I did it, and I try to use that as sort of a model for moving forward. Uh, I had to go into a, what I perceived as a very hostile environment. So it was a group of people who I felt had no sympathy whatsoever with me. Um, mm. and, and I had to you know, go in there and you know, kind of do some routine things, uh, but probably spend a couple of hours doing this, you know, removing you know, some boxes, 
uh, you know, kind of the, the context didn't matter so much as that it was just, in my perception, it was extremely hostile. And, and I worried about it a great deal. So I remember the night before thinking to myself, the best thing that I can do is just get up early in the morning and do it because mm. that was sort of a scriptural model. Whenever anybody had anything difficult to do, they got up early in the morning and did it, and got it over with. <laughs> All the but good things happened first thing in the morning. First thing in the morning, yeah. so, and the bad things. So, so this was something I needed to do. I knew it was gonna be unpleasant. I knew it was gonna be difficult. I anticipated all kinds of, of hostility from this group of people. And, uh, and I thought the best thing I can do is get up in the morning and get it over with. And, and I don't think I slept very much the night before, but um, at the time, and I think it was like around September, um, and I was doing the Bible readings. And the Bible reading at that time uh, was talking about Jehoshaphat. And there was a point, um, and I think it's around maybe Second Chronicles, or Second Kings 23 or something like that, I'd have to, to look it up, um, where God says to Jehoshaphat, you don't need to do anything. Stand still and see, see the salvation of the Lord. Mm. Right? So he was going out to, to fight against someone, and, uh, but God was reassuring him through the, the prophet and saying, just stand still, you don't have to do anything. And, but be strong and be courageous, and then this is all gonna, it's all gonna be okay, it's all gonna fall into place. And at the time, I'm like, yeah, you know, that's, that's something I can hang on to out of that Bible reading. And there were two or three verses. So I thought I really want to remember them, so I'm gonna write them down. So I wrote them down on a piece of paper, folded the paper up, and I, I put it in my pocket. So when I got up the next morning, I had this piece of paper in my pocket with these Bible verses on. And I thought, you know what? Oh, I'm just gonna focus on that. I'm gonna focus on that being there in my pocket to give me the encouragement to go and do what I have to do. Mm -hmm. and, and when I thought about sort of like, okay, worst case scenario, well, what if they just you know threatened to call the police and throw me out? and I can imagine the police come and they take me off to their holding cell and you know all of these you know kind of really catast catastrophic outcomes. Mm. Uh, what if that happened? And I thought, well, I'll pull out my piece of paper and I'll <laughs> read these Bible verses <laughs> to them. And and somehow that gave me a little bit of encouragement that I wasn't entirely helpless in the mm. situation. Oh, wow. So anyway, I went and I did it, and it all worked out really, really smoothly. Mm. And, and I prayed about it beforehand, and, but I just felt that focusing on this little section of scripture and, and thinking to myself, I'm not helpless, I can actually you know, use that if I need to, it kind of gave me that little bit of you know, extra courage that I was able to do it, even in the face of fear. Hmm. So I've tried to use that as a model for, okay, next scary situation. This is something that I can do and I can use that. Well, that's interesting that in the Jehoshaphat verse, um, 
the point that you were drawing out when you were talking about it was the point was maybe just to like, don't move, I got this. Yeah. Like that's kind of what God was saying. Yeah. But you still like acted, like you yeah. still went through with what you sounds like needed to do at the time. So how do you like how do you balance that sense of, um, like God says like be still, like I have this like I'm in control, and um, needing to take steps in a direction of uncertainty or in a direction where there might be some hostility, which sounds like might have been the case yeah. for you. So there was years ago a brother in Australia and he was doing some talks on Nehemiah. And I remember him saying about Nehemiah, he said, Nehemiah prayed to God as if everything depended on God, but then he worked as if everything depended on him. So to me, that's kind of the balance of mm. faith and works, right? It's mm. that giving everything to God as if everything depends on God. And like you say, God's saying to Joshua, I got this, worry about it, right? Um, but then, You've, you've got to give it your all and work as if everything depended on you. Hmm. And I think it's at that point, that's the intersection where God blesses it and he sees that. And, you know, judges like Abraham as righteous because of his belief, but also because of his works. So hmm. there's kind of the intersection of both there. And... And I, th I think kind of seeing that work out, um, I felt that that really strengthened my faith. And then seeing that you know, work out in other situations. Um, and you know, I know Bob Lloyd had this expression, letting go and letting God, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. but, but it doesn't mean just sitting there passively. Like we've actually got to do something. Uh, so when I asked you to talk a little bit about um, like one of these core tenets of faith, which is courage, you brought up a difficult time uh, in your life that embodied that. Do you think that um, the pulse that you have on faith is, is largely from difficult times? Like, do you think that um, when you've, come to recognize faith and recognize that you're a person of faith and uh, maybe the biggest revelations about how God is working in your life and how that intersects with so, your faith. Is that all with through di difficult um, trials and like difficult times? Or do you have other ways that you like recognize the presence of faith um, in your life or in your heart? So for me, I think what happened, uh, it was like, uh, and I think there's some Bible passages that would sort of back this up, that in the times of peace and quiet, you build up a reservoir of mm. what you can use in difficult times. Right. T t tell so, me more. Tell me more about so, that reservoir. I want to know more. So. Um, and I think it's, you know, kind of in, there's some passages in like Lamentations and um, Habakkuk where it talks about, you know, times of peace and safety, uh, but then talks about these really difficult times that come up afterwards. And 
I think you know what we're trying to do in those times when things are relatively easy it's not to sit back and you know kind of do nothing and just enjoy the easy times but we've got to be actively trying to do things that are going to help to build our faith so in terms of you know just like bible reading and deepening scriptural roots and networking with people and building a safety plan um, so i I work in a mental health field where uh, right now I'm working with people who are chronically suicidal. So there's a lot of things that I do with those individuals that I can transfer to my own life. And so the first thing that we're trying to do is build safety. So we're mm -hmm. trying to got to have a safety plan in place. Right? So what are you going to do when things are at their worst? So on a scale of zero to 10, if things are up here, how are you going to keep yourself safe if you don't feel safe? Mm. So obviously it's like, you know, call 911 or go to the hospital. Sure. If you don't feel safe, you get somebody to take you there. Um, but if things aren't quite that intense, what's the next level down? Mm. So who do I call? who's my who's my yeah. team who's my support system and then you know kind of all the way down but once we've got safety then we have to build in skills to deal with all of these things that are chronic and which for the person are a way of solving a problem that's too big for them hmm. right. so i think that's given me a helpful perspective too because this is what we need to do for our faith, we need to have a safety plan. We mm. need to have crisis intervention. We need to have a support system. And, and we need, in those safe times, to be building that and to be putting it in place. So to me, that's, that's what we're doing when things are quiet and things are safe. And then you know, we get to the point where, you know, like, uh, the prophet Habakkuk says, you know, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither be fruit be in the vine, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. Mm. But he says, yet will I rejoice in the Lord, all mm. joy in the God of my salvation. So it's that reservoir that we've built in times of peace that enable us when things are really difficult, mm. not necessarily... Um, to do well or to prosper, just to be able to survive and to get through without our faith being overwhelmed by adversity or by difficulty. So mm. it might mean that we, in those difficult times, just have to hunker down and, and just hold on. Yeah, it's, well, it's, I'm just um, thinking about this use of safety uh, in this faith conversation as well as courage because if you have if you have courage that usually implies like there's something that's not safe or yeah. something that's not that's going awry yeah. or something that's dangerous and threatening yeah yeah, yeah. um but for you um there's a, like on most days maybe faith is this is this sense of safety or gives you a sense of safety it sounds like yeah i think so yeah, yeah. hmm Uh, yeah, I'm just so I'm like so interested about your um, how your sense of faith 
gets confronted when you're having sessions with people who are um, at the opposite end of faith and say there is no faith there is no hope I don't want to be here mm -hmm. like uh, is there part of you that's like reaching out of your chest and wanting to like grab them and say like but there is faith like you just need like you can't have faith like it's okay yeah or I guess how does um so I think it's really interesting because I think I've learned so much from the people that I work with I've seen so much strength in adversity. I've so seen so many people, uh, you know, kind of yearning for spirituality, holding on to things that they believe deeply in the face of, you know, all kinds of, of trauma that we would look at and be like, how do you even, how are you walking and talking, right, with everything that's happened to you? Yeah. And, and the more that I talk to them and the more that I listen, I hear these little glimmers of hope. So my job is to listen for that little glimmer of hope and to amplify it. Right? So it's like yeah. lighting candles in darkness mm. for people. And uh, trying to be there in kind of the darkest times and listen to that and and just help them know that it hasn't always been like this and it might not always be like this but at the same time we're trying to say you know there's joy and there's suffering mm. these are two sides of the same coin right? mm. but when we focus our attention on joy we're not paying attention to suffering right? and you know the, the converse uh, so two things. One is I just had this image or this little term that came into my mind that you're like a faith lamplighter. Mm -hmm. Like when, you, when you're talking about those like glimmers of hope and like lighting these little candles. Yeah. Like I just pictured you on this dark street with these gas lamp mm -hmm. uh, lanterns and you just going along and just, just trying like, to light little candles. Just like the holding darkness. the little pilot light. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then. The last time I saw you in Richmond, when you were giving the seminar, I guess, mm -hmm. to the chapel, um, you, I think you said this, which was, uh, sometimes we need to listen to all the reasons why somebody doesn't want to be here. Yeah. And be here being like alive to hear the reason why that they uh, do want to be here. Right. And I think you, yeah, you just gave that, you just brought that to a whole another level for me. Yeah. You just gave that this whole new beautiful like yeah. bouquet of language. We uh, have to listen to the reasons for dying so that the reasons for living can emerge. Mm. Because if we don't, they're too loud and they're, they're there sort of front and center and the person needs to be able to talk about that, mm. right? Because it's a very emotional discussion and, and with emotions, if we don't acknowledge them, if we try and suppress them, as one person said, they go down to the basement, they lift weights and they come back stronger than ever. Mm. So acknowledging that in a, a respectful way is of course, you know, there would be all these reasons for dying. And I, I don't think that's, uh, an unbiblical way of looking at it. I mean, you look at 
and I looked at the prophet Jonah and he went through a large period of his life just wanting to die mm. right he's he doesn't want to go to Nineveh so he avoids that by taking the ship to Tarshish he goes the other way right. but what happens when the storm comes oh just throw me overboard expecting death because mm. it's in the middle of a storm right he, he wasn't expecting to survive the storm anyway they weren't giving him a lifeboat and saying oh here well kind of off you go do your best they actually throw him overboard and thinking that he's dying and, and that was his thought and then he describes it in terms of you know I went down mm. right down into the deep and the weeds were wrapped around my head and and I was there at the doors mm. of death I was about to die God rescued me mm. and then you know time and time again throughout the book he's like just kill me I want to die mm -hmm. right? thinking so and he was not a unfaithful man he was, was faithful and you know God was working with him and saying to him no this isn't you know, obviously you know, we have a reward in the resurrection but this isn't your time Jonah I've got work for you to do and Jonah had to learn that lesson and the same with Elijah. Right. Elijah's like, no, it's enough, I'm done, just let me die. Figuring that he was the only one left. And God's saying to him, no, I've got thousands of people mm. that are serving me. So it's, it's not as overwhelming as you think it is, Elijah mm. or Jonah. It's okay, you know, like you said, God's saying, I've got this one. Mm. Do you, do you think that is partially our job as pe as uh, compassionate people is to say this isn't the end? I can't remember how you phrased it, but you said something like God was telling Jonah, like I have yeah. well, I have work I've for you. Work there, for there's you. still more. Yeah. Like, do you see that in your line of professional work as well as like with your family or other people? It might not be at the edge of the abyss but it might be somebody who's still just dragging. Yeah. And <laughs> do you see um, your role as being like an ambassador of that very divine message, which is like, we're not done here. There's, you There's have, work to do. Have, yeah. 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 Um, and I guess, do you see like faith having a role in that? Like, even if it's a faith in the, in the person like and maybe there maybe there is some faith in, in God at that level too but um, when you were describing your work it just sounded like there was so much faith at a person-to-person -person level mm -hmm. um, and maybe do you see that as faith or like having faith in somebody like I don't know I think I think because of what I do at work I've had to um, because it could easily get so discouraging because you see so much suffering, you see uh, people struggling, you see people not making progress, mm. you see you know, people lose their lives right, in the process, whether it's accidental or intentional, there's loss of life, which is, is tremendously saddening. So I, th I think in order to do what we do, we have to have a vision, and I think that's a vision of faith. 
and I feel that um, God put me in this position at this time for a purpose for me primarily um, but for the people that I work with as well uh, and I feel strongly that we have to do something we have to contribute we can't we can't just have a free ride in the world right we, we're here to make a difference you know God said to Israel I want you to be a light to the nations mm -hmm. right? and, and Paul says we're like lights like a city set on a hill yeah. Um, so that's our job. So, but how we do that, it might be different for different people. Right? So, you know, the the butcher can do the best job cutting meat or mm -hmm. talking to his customers, and uh, you know, the the doctor or the the dentist or the uh, physiotherapist, they're serving God in in what they do. Um, practically. My supervisor at work said to me, and, and she's a Christian, she said, uh, we're very blessed to be able to minister to people in the way that we do and to get paid for it. Mm -hmm. And I've reminded her of that several times because I said, you know, for me, that's the framework that I see this in. So in that way, it helps me to see it as, you know, this is God's work that we're doing. Uh, and I felt that it was something actually that came at a very difficult time in my life when I was struggling with um, things that were going on in my family uh, and, and just trying to hold on and to put things into perspective and, and it was a fearful time as well. So doing this has given me something far more than I ever realized that I would get that got me through that time but also is very rewarding. And there's a, a, a saying from, from one of, um, I think it's actually, uh, this person was a Catholic nun, and she said, um, Christ has no hands and no feet on earth but ours. Mm. That mm. ours are the eyes that he looks with compassion on the world. And mm. ours are the hands that minister to others and ours are the feet that walk to do good, but it's part of his body. Mm. So, you know, we're part of his body in you know kind of the wider sense, but individually we're also part, and and that's how we can minister. And I think then that takes the responsibility, you know, kind of off our shoulders so much as, you know, my job is just to reflect the light that I have from the Lord. Right? I, I, I want to pass it on. I want to pass it on to other people. Yeah. I want to light those little candles in the yeah. darkness. But in the end, the work isn't mine. It's his. Mm -hmm. So if what I'm doing, I can reflect that light in some way, that's all I can do. That's my job. That's done. Mm. Right? And I can share that with other people. So I can't um, in the work that I do, I can't, you know, kind of overtly share my faith by saying, well, you know, this is what I believe. You know, I believe that there's one God. I believe that, I do say to them that I believe in God, and I, I do say that I believe in Jesus, and that I read the Bible. But that is kind of as much as I can say about that. The rest of it has to be what I do. Mm -hmm. 
And so listening and, and talking and sharing and, um, and encouraging people to search for spirituality and to connect with uh, their values and to do what's right. And, and it's constantly surprising to me how many people there are that are looking in different ways yeah. and that will bring their own little kernels of wisdom. And, mm. and that's something that you can magnify and that you can build on and that you can help people to work out in their lives. I have two follow-up questions, uh, which I think will round this out nicely. One is, has anybody been, or could you think of somebody who has been a little hope or faith lamplighter for you in your life? Like, have you ever been the person who uh, somebody has needed, needed to find or name or light that little light of faith or hope inside of you? Um, I'm just curious. You might not have an so, answer, but. So like the people that I draw strength from? or Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, you work with people who you talk about, like finding, like finding that little wick to, to spark yeah. and to light. And have you seen that happen within you um, from a faith perspective, like where faith was very gone and it was very dark, but it came back or it, it came on. Like, has that happened for you? So I think I've got a, a whole network um, of, you know, supporters and, you know, which primarily would be, you know, my husband and my family. Mm -hmm. um, and, and family, not just in kind of the nuclear sense, but, um, you know, the, the young men that have married my daughters mm. have brought all their own different perspectives, yeah. and I, I draw strength from all of them. Mm. Um, I draw strength from my grandchildren, uh, from members of my ecclesia, right? So from my workplace, from... Uh, know kind of almost wherever yeah. I can get it from so it's it feels like it's um, you know kind of the image of the the lamps that had the, the little conduits of oil going to them and then I'm able mm. to draw from that mm. um, this week when, when I was listening to this person that was was doing this training program and he works in children's mental health and he was talking about uh, kind of infusing children with courage when, um, or love or compassion or wisdom when they're going through uh, very difficult situations. So uh, he said what he does, he talks to, to you know, young people and he said, you know, find somebody that's your mentor and say to them, I need a transfusion of, of compassion right now. <laughs> Right. It sounds very so. procedural and medical. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so, but he said, then what they do, they take their hand, okay, and they hold this person's hand. And when you feel your hand getting warm, that means that compassion is going from one person to the other. And you take it on, and you let it infuse your heart. Mm. And it's there as an inoculation for when you need it. Mm. And if things get a little tough and you need another inoculation or an infusion, you go back and you say, can I get another one? And so 
it was, uh, you know, kind of a visual way of demonstrating, you know, what we give to each other, and that that we're not uh, we're not alone. That we need each other, and we can use each other's support to enable us to stand up and to stand together. Mm. And I think that's what God intended. That's that's why. You know, he wants a relationship with us, but he wants us to be in relationship with other people mm. so that we're not doing this on our own. So to me, you know, faith is this you know, kind of network of other people so that, and I remember at one particularly difficult time in my life, um, someone in California is saying to me, you know, we've been praying for you every Sunday. Mm. And to me, that was like, wow. I knew one person in that group of people. I didn't know any others. But here were these people that didn't even know me, and they were praying for me. So how tremendous is that, that I can feel that strength yeah. from a group of people that I don't know? Yeah, I think, I think so often if there's one message that anybody needs to be reminded of is that they are far loved more than they could possibly comprehend. Yeah. And I can't show you that except in just a glimmer, yeah. except in just, you know, hold one handhold yeah. or one hug or a short, like, kind word. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, I was, I was <laughs> the question I was going to ask you was, um, how can people be, like, little faith lamplighters but I think I think you totally answered that question so uh, this has been so lovely thank you for asking me to be part of it and if you want to have any more conversations maybe we can have ongoing conversations about faith yes please yes always mm -hmm.